0: Hey guys, GBC Podcast number 22. I'm Courtney Wise.
1: I'm Shane Blankenship.
0: Got a question for you, Shane. A couple questions for you, Like four questions. I know. So this, this has to be for someone out there because... Um, I know it's happened to me personally, and it's probably happened to you too. It's like when you're in a season of life that sort of feels like the desert, mm-hmm. sort of feels like a drought or being in the desert, you know, you're like, okay, well, I need to pray more, and I need to consult the Bible more, and I need to go to church more, I need to listen to Shane more, you know, it's like I'm knocking and seeking, and I'm Feeling like, and when I'm saying I'm, I'm not really talking about me. I'm just saying we've all been here Mm -hmm. where you feel like there's been a hardening of your heart or some sort of like like almost like you have blinders on or something and you're like why can't i access like the wisdom that's promised to me like why can't i access the peace that's been promised to me so my question should i ask the question or should you no i was like how would shane answer that (laughs) if i were to ask him that like what happens during like a hardening phase of your life yeah and then i said um you have to work harder because like as a nutrition coach or as a CrossFit coach, I'm like you gotta come, you gotta keep coming to the gym. Yeah. You don't see results in the first week, you gotta keep coming. Persistence. To the gym. In Persistence. That. Yeah. Perseverance is what I wrote down. Yeah. Um, the second thing that I thought you would tell me is, well, it was really my question. It's like when you have that impenetrable like mind or heart for that season, mm-hmm. like does God make it that way? Like is is it for punishment? Is it mm-hmm. for judgment? Um, is it because He wants to drag you through that drought period? Um, and then my other
1: question is, is this normal? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So, um, I don't know exactly where to start on this. I don't want to walk through, I think, from number one, two, and three 4 us. Sh- she's got, list, I think, four different, um, questions here, or three. Um, but the punishment far- part, let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let me deal with that one first. So, um, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that God punishes us as followers. Um, and I don't believe that because God's wrath, His punishment was taken out on jesus at the cross however i do believe that god disciplines us um and discipline is different from punishment i don't care what anybody says it's not a, it's not a cop out it's not any of that I've, it's, it's there's there is a difference to it um when you discipline your child um there's a there is a, a purpose of good in that it's a, it's course, a, correction. It's a course correction absolutely it's a teaching moment it's a hey um I'm going to discipline you about this because if you continue in this direction, you're going to get hurt, or it's going to destroy your life, or that'll kill you. Like you get so so. Sometimes God will discipline us to teach us um, and to bring us back to Him. So when God disciplines His children, the the purpose behind that is always to bring it back to Him. Like the, there's um there's growth in the relationship, and there's restoration sometimes happening in the relationship. Um, if it's punishment though, it's like you're going to pay for this. You did it, and you're paying for it. Like, that's punishment. Mm-hmm. We send we send criminals to jail to punish them, to pay for the crimes that they've committed, you know, to, to some degree. Um, well, God isn't making me pay for my sin, nor is he making you pay for yours, or you pay for yours. And I know that because yeah, on the cross, Jesus paid the price for the sin of the world. So he already paid it. Mm-hmm. So if punishment is, you know, in that context, is dealing with having to pay for your wrongdoing, then God's not punishing us. But he is disciplining us. Is
0: it giving? Is he giving us the cold shoulder? I mean, is that what you're saying? He's sort of just like you. No, I don't think
1: so. Because I think the I think the discipline part is, and I think this this is important to remember is that you discipline people that you love. I mean, think about it in the context of your family and you're disciplining your children. Um, I mean, you love them immensely, but you still discipline them to teach them. Um, even sometimes when it's a hard thing to do. So the fact that God would be disciplining us is a sign of his love for us. It is a sign that, you know, he cares and um, he wants that, that relationship to grow. He wants that restoration. So I think it's a sign of, of, of love. But as far as like, did you say distance or is he distancing? Cold shoulder. Um, giving us the cold shoulder. Yeah. I don't think that God does that at all. Um, I mean, I think that intimacy is what God created us for mm-hmm. and what he desires. We just mess up the intimacy by getting intimate with other things with other stuff, and um, that's, that's where the idea of he's a jealous God comes comes from. You mm-hmm. know, when the scripture says that I'm a jealous God, I will share my throne with nobody. It doesn't want to share um, his intimacy with you, with anybody, or anything else. Because for most of us, it's not um, it's not a person who's replacing that intimacy, although it, it certainly can, but a lot of times I think it's values, it's, um, it's attitudes mm-hmm. that we give ourselves over to, That become the the driving thing in our life, you know, Um, and all of a sudden that's that's destroying intimacy with God because we're living for something else.
0: So what do you tell someone, Shane, that might be struggling with their faith Mm -hmm. um, or going through a season where they don't feel like they're getting fed Mm -hmm. spiritually? This has to be for
1: someone out there. Sure. I, I mean, it's, I'd say it's for a lot of people out there. Um, and if I'm honest, I think I've, I, I get in places like that. Maybe you've been in a place like that. We could sure. all get there. Um, and I think that you use the, the term harding, hardening of the heart, you know, heart, a hard heart. Um, that's uh, I, I think it's important to remember that it's not just about bitterness or anger when we have a hard heart. I think sometimes the hardening of the heart happens uh, gradually over time and it has nothing really to do with bitterness or um, we're not we're not we're not hard-hearted and angry about it. We're not hard-hearted and bitter about it. Um, but we but our hearts become hard and callous because we we have the object of our affection has moved, and no longer is it Jesus the object of our affection, but it's something else mm-hmm. or it's someone else. Um, and so slowly over time, um, we end up with a form of religion, but it's void of any power in our life. And so we go to church, but it has no power.
0: Right.
1: We 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 read, but it's not changing us. We're just it's like reading any other book. Um, and there's a hardness that has happened because we're going through motions. Um, but what's the what's the um, what's the motive behind the motions? You know what? Why why are you reading it? Why are you spending that time with it? Why are you showing up?
0: There's a transparency there that you would have to have to recognize that. And if you don't have that, what what does someone do?
1: Mm. Well, I think uh, I think certainly that if you can at least see that in somebody else, I think the Christ-like thing to do is to pray for them, especially mm-hmm. when you're close to them. Um so I'll, I'll tell two stories, um, and um, I'll first tell a Tony Campolo story. Because
0: you love him. Because
1: I love him, <laughs> and um, we'll some it. of his stories are so like, graphic, and I love that about it. So, sorry for, if you don't like graphic stories, because this one is really graphic. Okay. So, this one happened in Philadelphia. Um, his son, which is funny, he has a son and daughter. One of them's name's Bart, one of them's name's Lisa, before The Simpsons came out, Bart and Lisa. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, Bart Campolo um, was basically heading up a, a, an organization in inner city Philadelphia, which is where a lot of Tony Campolo's, you know, U.S. ministry occurred, because that's where that's where he's from, it's where he's, you know, pastor and everything else. It, um, an inner city program that basically provided, like, um, throughout the summer, and kind of a, an af- it wasn't an after school program because it was going on during the summer, but it was, you know, Christian based, faith based program that basically gave kids something to do, um, and it gave. It gave, you know, people, you know, in that organization or part of that church an opportunity to to love and to care for some kids during the day when they they had nothing to do, just to be able to love them. So anyways, but during the day for lunch, because they didn't have the resources to provide lunch, the kids go home for lunch, come back. And um, so the story goes, they broke for lunch. Um, The little boy goes home, he's five years old. Um, I think his mom lived on like the sixth floor of this of this complex, if I remember correctly. And so, in, in, in these um, um, urban housing complexes or whatever um, government housing areas, there's a police officer um, like assigned to each one of these like s- sections or whatever. So the police are are always close by. which um, police precinct. Five-year-old goes home, opens the door, and his mom is being beat. Um, oh. Yeah, so he hears a commotion, opens up. His mom's being beat um, by what turned out to be a third-time drug offender. Yeah. So this was shortly after, um, uh, I think, during the Clinton administration, they passed the three strikes and outlaw, are So third offense, you're going away for a really long time. Um, but you, you, know, you kind of get two chances. So this was his third offense. It turned out he was a drug dealer, he was, um, um, and he was just trying to get this kid's mom's check. She was, he was trying to get her to hand it over, and she wouldn't. And so he screams. The little boy does, which immediately, obviously, alerts neighbors, um, and the police are are like on it. So uh, the police are actually located in this building, a part of this housing project. Um, so they run up. They get to the door, um, and he's like throwing around a coffee table, busted. I mean, she's getting beat bad. I think they actually draw their their um, their firearms and you know telling to, to stop or whatever whatever it is that they sure. they announce. You know, they're going to try to protect this woman at this point. Knowing that he is a third-time offender, um, tries to escape, but he can't get out the door. And again, this is an apartment kind of building because you know two police officers are standing in the door. So he jumps out of the window, forgetting that he was on the sixth floor, or maybe he didn't forget. The
0: little boy or the offender? The offender,
1: the guy who was beating the, you know beating this kid's mom, jumps out of it. Well, below there was a laundry pole that the tea had been taken off of. And he lands on it, and he's impaled from his rear end through his neck. You
0: guys, if anyone's eating breakfast right now, it's a
1: graphic story. (laughs) So he gets impaled on this laundry pole, um, and he convulses to death for about two minutes before he died um, on the on the laundry pole. Okay. So, graphic story. but what Bart says, because so now he's jumped, you know, out of the window and kind of now they're down there where their, you know, their day program takes place right there in the middle of all the all the things, you know, the outside. Um, so these workers are around and there's some kids who, you know, were still hanging out and around. And he says um, the saddest part of the whole situation was not the guy impelling himself on a laundry pole and convulsing to death for two minutes, although it was horrific to watch, yeah. brutal, you know, to watch. Um, He said that the worst part about it was the expressions on the kid's face because it was normal to them. Like there was no fear. There was no crying. There was no, oh, my gosh. He's like they were just stone cold. Their hearts
0: had had become
1: so hardened to violence and into into that kind of um, just, you know, Death and 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 I don't know I don't know how, if I have a better word than violence. Um, he says you know, you've got that kind of um, hardening of the heart. You know how do you break through to, to that? Mm-hmm. How do you get through those kinds of hard hearts? And uh, Tony says the only way you do that is through prayer. Like that that you got God has got to be at work in their hearts.
0: Yeah, pray coming. until something happens. Chris. Yeah, when well, you're
1: praying for God to do a breakthrough of those hearts. That's how you break through those kinds of hard hearts.
0: And God will um, show up, but it's like during those times,
1: absolutely, it
0: is brutal.
1: Yeah, and, and I think there's some of it that, I mean, only God can mm-hmm. do. Now, I'll use a biblical story to follow that up and to really, do, I think, to even answer this question. Okay. So um, Jesus is on a mountainside. Um, he comes down. Some of his disciples have been at work. Um, a man comes to him, and um, he has a little boy who's demon-possessed. If I remember the story, the details of the story correctly, this was the scene where um, the demon would throw the boy into fire throwing the boy into the water to, um, you know, to burn and to, to try to drown the, the child. And so he asked the disciples um, to call out the demon and they couldn't do it. And so when Jesus comes down, the man comes to Jesus and he says, look, I asked your disciples and they tried, but they mm-hmm. could not. And, uh, you know, Jesus makes a comment about their faith. And, and, um, and Jesus, I, I think he actually says, Give, you know, bring the boy to me. And um, and Jesus heals him, and then afterwards the disciples go to Jesus and they say, Why couldn't we do it? Yeah. Um, and Jesus says, Well, this kind only comes out by prayer. That there are some things that it takes prayer to break through. And um,
0: so I think maybe even like um, inspiring people to ask for prayers, like, Hey, I'm really going through a hard time. I'm here, I am. I'm reading. I'm, I'm coming to church, mm-hmm. but I'm not getting anything out of it. Will you please pray pray yep. for me?
1: yeah and i think when you pray and offer those prayers in in faith and trust god with it i think god moves i I believe that i cannot tell you simply because it would be an invasion of people's privacy who were still around um still around greenwood even i can't tell you how many marriages i've seen healed because one you know one spouse you know whether it's the the you know the, the husband or the wife started praying for their spouse and not trying to get them to do certain things. Not trying to manipulate them into into whatever. Um, not trying to get them me to talk to them. Hey, was you talk to my husband? Would you talk to my wife and just sit her down and tell? You no, know, which is hardly ever a good idea anyways. Um, but what I would just say is pray for them. Like, actually really pray for them and see if God doesn't move. Just watch God. And I, I'm serious. I can't tell you how many marriages alone um, that I've seen God restore. And it started with the spouse praying for their spouse and that and that person unaware. And that was kind of one of the other things I was like, don't even tell them. You don't have to tell them that you're praying for them. If you will keep it between you and God, you will see God move in ways that you could never imagine.